This is a Blended Radio audio experience. Welcome to Coach's Corner with the coaches at Blended Athletics. Hey everyone, welcome to Coach's Corner podcast by Blended Athletics. I'm Cody Blanchard here with Daryl, Coach Daryl. Today we're going to be talking to you about sleep and sleep hygiene. Um, So first off, why is sleep so important? Daryl, thoughts? Why is sleep so important? Well, I feel like it's the basis of everything that we do. Um... Like if you've ever had a really, really terrible night's sleep, I'm thinking, well, my blended TV episode, I went over just how a chronic or a bout of chronic fatigue led me almost to be suicidal while I was suicidal. Um, so, yeah, I found out just how important sleep is on on every aspect of your life, mainly from like your mood to um, how you go through your interactions through the day. I mean, if you just think about any day that you've actually, you know, gotten up and realized that you had a really horrible night's sleep or even two or three hours like you get up not only do you feel horrible the entire day you have that burning behind the eyes and you're just kind of sluggish and you don't want to do anything um but then it just kind of it shades the the colors of your interactions for the rest of the day like you how can you be fun and authentic and genuine and kind and warm and stuff when the only thing that you're thinking about throughout the day is how much sleep you got or how badly you want to get back to bed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100% agree. I think sleep is, is uh, it colors everything that happens and it affects everything throughout your day. And it's something that I think we see a lot because a lot of our clients are like kind of high performers and business people who are really concerned about being successful. They're really motivated, really driven. And, and sleep is an area where often people are willing to sacrifice a few hours of sleep to get that extra work done at night or get up early, get extra work done, things like that. Uh, and I totally get it. Like, if you you have big goals, you're you're very driven. It, it makes sense, but uh, I think in a lot of contexts, and for most people, they would be more productive in the long run by getting those those extra couple hours of sleep Definitely. and actually being recovered. Um, like some of the stuff that you mentioned, like that brain fog, that's real. Yeah. Um, even, very real. Even after just a couple of bad nights sleep, like you start to feel it. Even just yeah. one bad night sleep one. is really yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. That's a that's a really good important topic as well. And like I, I've been there as well. And those those days or nights where I know that I have more work that I need to get done. Maybe I have to program for a couple of clients or make a couple of phone calls. And it's eight or nine o'clock, and I'm just feeling like maybe I should stay up and get this work done. But then when on the days when I've actually just said to myself, okay, you know what? I'm not going to stay up and do any extra work. I'm just going to go to bed now because that's the loudest signal in my body. And I've actually done that. I found that I've woken up the next morning and then been 10 times more productive than I would have been had I tried to power through and stare at my computer for an extra hour and just yeah. just obliterate that work that way. So. 100%. I think it's often overlooked too is like that it's very tempting at that, like when you're sitting there at your desk at night, it's eight or nine o'clock and you're like, ah, I could just power this out and then I'll be done with it. It's like, well, maybe it's going to take you two or three hours to get that work done that night because you're already exhausted from the day. But if you just go to bed, get a good night's sleep, you might get that done in an hour or 45 minutes the next morning because you're fresh, you're ready to go, like you're, you're energetic. So I think that's something too where it's very enticing to, especially as a motivated person, to be like, oh, I'm going to power through it right now and get it done versus like it'll be there tomorrow, I can get it done in the morning, and then you get up, start your day fresh. And you kind of start your day with a win then too because you have you know, a good productive hour of work. And you feel good going throughout the rest of your day. So I guess another point to, to cover as well, if let's say gyms are open again and um, you find that you're not sleeping and yet you still have all these fitness goals that you want to accomplish, Cody, from your perspective, how, do, how, do, how does a lack of sleep determine, uh, I guess, where you fall in terms of how quickly you can, you can get to those goals or not? Uh, I think it's the mo- often most overlooked part of training, like I consider it part of training and recovery. 
uh, and is probably the most valuable. Like, aside from the fact that like we're assuming here that if you do have these big fitness goals, we're assuming that you're consistent with your training, that you're doing your training. Because obviously, if you have a fitness goal and you're not participating in the training, then you're you're not going to reach it. But assuming that you you're good with that, you're consistent, you're getting your training done. If you're not sleeping, like the likelihood that you're going to reach that goal, I think it goes down pretty quickly. Even if you're losing, I remember reading some research last year. Um, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like for every hour under eight hours, the percent, like the risk of injury across all sports and all training methodologies started going up pretty quickly. So like if you go down to seven hours, it went up a little bit, but then when you get start dipping towards six hours or less, it was like an exponential increase of your, your likelihood for injury. Uh, and then athletes who were sleeping kind of around that eight hour mark or more seem to have very, very low rates of injury, especially in sports like powerlifting, weightlifting, uh, CrossFit, things that we're doing here in the gym. So it's it's huge impact on your injury risk. I think that's likely related to uh, a lack of recovery and readiness for your next training session. And then when you got to remember too that when you're coming in here and you're training, if you're training hard, like you're breaking down the body. You don't get better in the gym. You're coming here and you're, you're kind of beating yourself down. When you actually improve is when you recover. And most of that happens through sleep. And I would say, I would too, just to expand on that a little bit, I would even add that if you're coming into a session and you're not well rested, that's also going to affect your ability to concentrate wholly on the thing that you're actually doing. Um, so if you can't even, you know, get through a meeting and have your thoughts be coherent, like how do you expect to give all of your attention to complicated movements when you're hoisting two, 300 pounds over your head and locking it out, you know, on, on stiff joints and stuff like that. Um, so I think, I think not only does it increase your, your risk of injury or injury just from, you know, not being rested, but also like when you can't focus, you can't apply all the knowledge that you have from the movements. And then beyond that, a lot of people will come in some days and just say, you know, I just today was a really hard workout. I just didn't have it. And if you actually like examine that <laughs> statement and say, I just didn't have it, well, what is it that you didn't have? And that's that energy that lets you actually do do work to the best of your of your capacity or capabilities. So you got to you got to charge your phone every single day, you know, and uh, people's phones are depending on the maker model. <laughs> you might have to charge it a little bit longer. And everybody knows what happens when you let your battery run low and then you try and open up five or six apps at the same time or do complicated things on your phone. It's just not going to it's not going to work as well. Yeah, it's, it's that's a great point. It's kind of funny, too, how like I, I, I'd say most of the people listening to this, most of our members rarely, if ever, let their phone die. Ooh. But they'll oft, often <laughs> let their own energy we'll levels get die for good. Yeah. And then keep working. Yeah, yeah it's not uh, it happen. But yeah, the sleep is huge. It's huge for your training results, huge for your recovery. Like, I like what you mentioned there about the complex movements, especially if you're coming in here. If you're newer to kind of functional fitness style training or if you're changing your training methodologies to approach a new fitness goal, if there's any new skills involved that you need to learn, you're going to have a really hard time learning those skills. Um, if you're chronically under sleeping, if you're under recovered, like if you're coming in after work or before work and you have a ton of brain fog because you're not recovered and you're not rested properly, the likelihood that you're going to learn a new complex skill like a, a barbell movement or a gymnastics movement or something, uh, it's pretty low that you're going to be able to pick that up quickly and efficiently if you're chronically fatigued. Whereas if you're coming in in a well-rested state, you have that mental clarity, you're optimistic, you're looking forward to the movement, it's it's much easier to uh, it's much easier to pick those movements up a lot faster. Definitely. And that, that's where you see like sometimes like some athletes come in and they can pick something up like a snatch really quickly. And there is a certain amount of, you know, like some people are very, just have a lot of kinesthetic awareness and a lot of athletic experience. And that does lead to being able to pick movements up quicker. 
But in my experience, the athletes who come in and the best who best take care of their recovery also best learn those movements and they learn them the fastest and they're able to get to that RX standard uh, much faster. 100 percent. Um, so next next topic on here, Cody, how many hours per night do you think do you think the average person needs? Uh, on average, I think like based on the stuff that I've read in my own personal ex- experience, I think it's something in that seven, eight hour range, seven to nine hours as, as kind of a ballpark range. There definitely are people who who sleep less than that and they, they function well and they're, you know, they're, they're crushing life and, and that's great. But I think those people are, are the outliers. Uh, and there are some people who might need closer to that nine plus hour mark to, to really recover. And I think those people are probably outliers too. Um, so I think in that seven to nine hour range for most people is going to be a great target. Uh, and that's easier said than done to get that amount of sleep. It does take up a good, you know, it's a 30 year day there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you and think? I, I would agree somewhere between seven and nine hours seems to be fairly consistent with most of the research that I've, that I've looked at. Some people have even suggested that they need an upwards of 10 hours. I know certain people That's in like professional sports, right? <laughs> 10 hours of sleep a night. All you do is eat, train and sleep. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess depending on the amount of activity that you do, will will kind of change how much sleep you need. I know for me personally, because I have a two year old son who still has terrible sleep habits himself. For me to get eight hours, I feel a lot better than, um, you know, than anything else. If I can manage to get that much sleep on the days where it's, you know, I might be in bed for nine hours, but most of it is broken. Even though I'm in bed for that amount of time, I still feel horrible the next day. And so I would assume actually that a lot of our members are many of our members have kids themselves. So probably don't have ideal, ideal sleep patterns anyways. Uh, So I guess it just comes down to a matter of um, just prioritizing, I suppose, you know, just making sure that, you know, it might be eight o'clock on a Wednesday and there are likely going to be a thousand other things that you can do. But I guess you just got to prioritize, say what's more important. Yeah. Yeah. Prioritizing. And I think being realistic with where you are as well. So like, like you mentioned, you know, if, or or like I use myself as an example, like if you're, if you're normally getting like, if you're normally in, you know, if you, if you know you have about an eight-ish hour window of like trying to be asleep or getting to bed sort of thing, um, if that's the goal, but if you're getting like five hours of sleep now, going from getting five hours of sleep to getting like eight plus hours of sleep probably isn't going to happen, you know, like tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a bit of like if you're – if you know that you're chronically undersleeping and you're getting like four or five hours of sleep a night, whether it's due to, you know, your kids or, or family or work or whatever reason it is, if it's just a matter of like – you're, you're used to staying up late and you can't get to sleep earlier. Um, the first step I think is like, see if you can sleep for an extra 15 minutes. Like don't try to go from sleeping four or five hours to like, Oh, I'm going to sleep eight hours tomorrow. And then if you don't, you feel like a failure. Whereas likely you can probably get to bed 10 to 15 minutes earlier. Mm -hmm. And then over the course of weeks and months that starts to lead to maybe your five hours turns into six and that turns into seven. And then at I guarantee if you're sleeping four or five hours a night and you go to sleeping six and a half, seven, you're going to feel way better. Will you ever. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of on that sleep range thing, like I know uh, from, for me, usually it's around seven and a half hours is the sweet spot. So if I have, even if I have like a nine hour window, when I get to bed before I need to get up, I'll usually wake up before the alarm at about that seven and a half hour mark. Mm. So that's something where like, you'll find what kind of the ideal amount is for you. I think over time, if once you have good, um, like a good sleep routine in place. Um, and that's something I've worked on a ton recently. I've been working with Dr. Koch's naturopath at proactive and we've been trying to improve the sleep. And then it's, that's made a huge difference in my training and my work, everything. Like I was already 
you know, like training really hard and focusing a lot on my recovery, my nutrition, and then being able to increase my sleep, like improve my sleep a little bit. I should say that's, that's had a huge increase in my training performance, like within a couple of weeks, just feel like radically different. Yeah. Like a brand new person. I remember when my son was first born and my wife and I were getting an hour to two hours solid at night. Just that first, that first time where he slept a little bit longer, and I think I might have gotten four hours unbroken sleep. I woke up the next day feeling like I had slept for three weeks. Um, <laughs> just I felt absolutely amazing. So that's that's a that's a huge point. Just adding anything anything else that you can get, uh, which brings me to my next point. Actually, is naps. Cody, what's your opinion on naps? Uh, I nap, especially after the morning, like the morning shifts here. So for anybody listening who doesn't know, like our our morning shifts when we coach in the morning, we start at five. So early. So. So we're going like 5.15 to 1. So really like we've got to be out of the door by 5. That's pretty early. Like that's it, – it's tough. So usually those days, especially if I'm trying to train, I'll, I'll try to get a short nap in after work. Uh, my personal rule of thumb is I don't like to nap past 2 o'clock. I find if, I, if I'm napping later in the day, then it, that's going to mess up my sleep. And I'll usually keep those naps to under 20 minutes. Um, under 20. Under 20, unless I can yeah. get a full 90 minutes. So a full sleep cycle is, is about 90 minutes. So if I know I can – if I have about – two hours like a two hour window where I, I can nap then I'll try to get 90 minutes of sleep so I can wake up at the end of that sleep cycle um, otherwise it's like I always wake up groggy and just feel terrible yeah so I'll usually do like about a 20 minute nap um, if I can if it's like around lunchtime or one o'clock I'll have a coffee right before that nap coffee naps coffee naps yes. and then yeah and then by the time you're awake so it takes about usually like 40 45 minutes for the caffeine to really kind of kick in and feel it so you take that coffee, you go right to sleep. By the time you get up out of your nap, you're not groggy because it's only 20 minutes. You didn't really get in any deep sleep. And then that coffee starts to kick in as well. Um, so you get that little bit of a boost effect. That's huge. Um, yeah. I know for me, the days, so most days when I get home, my son is just going down for a nap or has been napping for a little bit. So I'll sometimes have the opportunity to actually lay down with him and get a little bit of extra sleep. But on days that I can't, I found that even if I can just lay down or, or even sit down or recline back and just close my eyes and do a little bit of deep breathing and just conscious relaxation for 15 to 20 minutes, like that has a huge restorative effect if I can keep myself from getting kind of mentally or emotionally worked up. So for those of you who can't who can't find the time to sit down and or lay down and take that that 20 to 90 minute nap that you feel like you need, just try relaxing. You know, I don't I don't know if you necessarily have to fall asleep, but I think just the fact that you're you're not doing anything and really, really resting and focusing on resting, not not laying down and looking at your phone or watching a video because that's still keeping you really stimulated up. But just really, really focusing on the sensation of relaxing, I think, is, is deeply beneficial as well. 100% agree. That's something I try to do too. I usually do it, in, especially in the morning shifts, because I, you're usually going to feel pretty tired those mornings, even if I get a good night's sleep before. It's just it's it's hard to get uh, to get to bed early enough to get a full like seven or eight hours, and you're waking up around four four thirty. Yep. So after like but midway through the day, I'll try to take take 10, 15 minutes and sit down, close the eyes, focus on some deep breathing. That's since I started doing that, that's had a huge huge beneficial impact. Mm. I think just letting the mind relax. Yeah. But like you said, you know. A lot of people think that, like, oh, I'm going to relax. I'll sit down and I'll watch this uh, YouTube video or I'll watch some Netflix or something. Like, you might physically be relaxing, but your brain is not. Your right. brain is hyper-stimulated by whatever you're, like, by the screens, by the technology. Like, it's taking in all this information. It's having to process that. Although you're, you may be, like, sitting down and physically relaxing, there's a lot going on mm. uh, in your brain subconsciously. So, 
So you're really not restoring anything there. If anything, you're you're getting yourself more mental fatigue by processing all that, especially if it's something like like a really dramatic or involved kind of show. Yeah, like if you're watching the latest COVID numbers and <laughs> oh, <yeah. That's> not <laughs> worst thing to try and do before you go to sleep. Yeah. Trust me. Oh, hundred um, percent. So that's uh, that's a good segue then to mm-hmm. some sleep hygiene uh, practices or some you know like what should people be doing before bed to try to improve their sleep, mm-hmm. like. I think people intuitively know that watching watching the those numbers or watching something stressful right before bed probably isn't helping, but it's still a pretty common practice. Oh, definitely. I would say most people probably consume some type of of media before they go to bed. Personally, my my rule of thumb that I have to really really hold myself accountable to a lot of days is to shut off electronics at least an hour before bed. What that means, I guess, is kind of subjective for for each individual. But for me, it'll mean that I'm turning the Wi-Fi off in the house. That way I can't access it. I'm I'm shutting the computer down. I'm putting my phone, either turning that off or putting it in another room completely. That way there's no desire to check it if I get that phantom ghost ring. And then I'm doing something quiet that's not very stimulating for me. So I, I have a journal and a quote slash book that I'm writing um, so I might, I might add a couple pages to that or, or read a little bit under some dim lights or some days I'll, I'll just meditate. You know, that's when I'll do my meditation is at night once the little boy is asleep and, um, just anything, anything that's not overly stimulating, you know, maybe have a, have a in-depth or fairly lighthearted conversation with my wife and just sit down and just kind of chat about whatever it is that needs to be done. Um, that's the main thing that I do about you. Yeah, that's, that's fine. We're on such on the same page and a lot of this stuff. And it's, it's funny cause we've never even really talked about it before, mm-hmm. but same thing. My rule of thumb is an hour before bed. I want to try to get all my screens turned off. Um, so that's usually putting either turning the phone off or, or putting it on, uh, on do not disturb and leaving it in a separate room if I need to charge it. Um, something I do too, to try to get me off the phone even sooner is that I'll turn my, I keep my phone on black and black and white. Mm. Like I turn all the color off. Yeah. Um, and then I'll consciously turn the color back on when I want to go, when I'm doing like some social media stuff. So something mm. I've been working on is like batching my social media time. So I'm not just like, I know during the first down, there were some days I was on Instagram for like eight hours a day. I was like, this is a huge problem. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's way too much time. So trying to, to dial that time back, but turning it to black and gray has helped a lot. It's a lot less of that sort of like satisfaction dopamine yeah. response whenever you check the phone. Um, but 60 minutes before I'm trying to turn it off and same thing. I have a journaling practice that most nights I'll do, or it'll be some light reading. Mm. Uh, I try to stick with, with fiction. If I'm reading, I don't want to be getting any like personal development or business type books that's going to keep you awake but fiction is it for me um what's your journaling practice like uh my journaling practice so my my current journal that i'm working on is basically a log of my meditation practice from from kind of start to to where i'm at now Mm -hmm. so it usually entails me either writing about specific things that come to me or happen in my meditation or even attempting to draw something as subtle as like a sensation um, so yeah, that's, that's essentially what it is for me. It's um, a little bit different. Do you find that on days when you, if you don't do your journaling practice, it's tough to get to sleep, like mine's racing, laying in bed? Um, no, because if I can't, if I can't journal, what I will do is I will consciously reflect on my day either, either before bed or while I'm in bed. And what I mean by that is I'll go, I'll lay down, close my eyes, and then I'll literally rewind my day all the way to the very beginning. And then I'll systematically go through the interactions that I had with certain people and I'll just think back and be be like, okay, well, I had this interaction with this person and I don't feel like I said the best thing to this person. Maybe when I see them again, I'm going to have to explain what I meant a little bit better or, you know, just kind of just kind of go through and give myself a rating for the day in terms of how I how I was uh, yeah. 
of good service to the community. I like that. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty similar to, to the practice I try to do as well. Um, I'll just do it in writing rather than than trying to reflect. I find if for me personally, if I reflect back mentally and sort of like that gets me in my own head a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I get it out on the page though, it's sort of like I can let it go. Right. So it's what I'll usually do is I'll open up a blank page of the journal. I just call it evening pages, um, and it's a full brain dump. Mm-hmm. Like whatever comes to mind, I just dump it onto the page. It's usually pretty much a reflection of the day. Um, there's also some stuff of like whatever I need to get done the next day, and then I'm maybe on the second page I'll put down like a little to-do list but then I don't feel like I need to remember those things because it's on paper and it's safe so I can let it go get to bed and uh and it, it's helped me like a ton to get to sleep I used to struggle a lot with sleep especially yeah. when I first started here doing those early mornings like I'd have a lot of that anxiety of like oh I'm not gonna miss my alarm like I had mm. to get, like almost the fact of getting up early made me anxious because I knew I was gonna lose sleep and that anxiety about not sleeping enough in there made me not sleep yeah and then there's like this whole thing. And it's like, how's my training going to suffer and X, Y, and Z? And it's like laying in bed, freaking out because I'm not going to sleep enough. And then I can't get to sleep. And then you got two hours before you have to be up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, been two, there. it's 2 a.m. And I'm like, oh, I better get to sleep soon because I got to get up at 4. Yeah, been there. And that's tough. Uh, so next point, next point, uh, lights. What's your, uh, what's your habit and your practice for, for lights? Yeah. Take that however you, the you lights, want to. Yeah. I think we could probably package, like, it might be beneficial to talk about our full yeah, wind-down sure. routine. Because yeah. um, light for me, light's a big part of that as well. I try to uh, I'll dim all the lights that can be dimmed, and then I put on some warmer lights, like usually on the, uh, on the lamps, things like that. Um, have a, we have a red light lamp in the bedroom that often I'll try to throw that one on if, like, if I can be in there for a few minutes. Um, the red light seems to help a lot. I guess it kind of mimics uh, mimics the Fire sunset in a sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I haven't personally read much research on it, but I, I know I've I've seen some people talking about it on social media that a red light is apparently supposed to be helpful for that. Mm. I've got this like alarm clock that starts off bright and dims like a sunset, okay. and then in the morning it wakes you up with a Same. gradually increasing light. So that's Same. that's been helpful. Um, my ideal sleep routine around light would be like get the when I shut the screens off get the dim lights going as soon as possible. So just basically bright enough light that I can comfortably read without straining my eyes or comfortably journal. Um, anything brighter than that, like if it's super, super harsh light, that I feel like that's going to keep me up. Mm-hmm. Um, and any nights if I have my phone going or if I'm on the computer close to bed, like I immediately notice a difference. Like I'm having a hard time getting to sleep with yeah. that. Did your eyes ever get that grainy feeling on them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. the worst. So I do have a pair of blue light blocker glasses, which, which definitely help. Um, but it's still like, I've no, I noticed a difference like since I started using them, but it's not, uh, mm. it, it doesn't beat just not having the, the screens going. Right. But right. if you, if you have to be on the screen late at night working or something's like super, super urgent, if you can have a set of blue light blocking glasses, that can be a very helpful tool. Yeah. Or even a program like Flux. Um, there's a couple of programs you can put on your computer where it would automatically alter the blue light spectrum, I guess, and change it yeah. to something else. You can have, you it's know, a bit warmer. tea light or something. Yeah. Like yeah. a yellow, amber color. So yeah, I forgot about that. I have, so my phone and my laptop are both set up. They automatically go into that warmer light as soon as the sun sets. Um, that can be super helpful, especially it's tough in the winter when it gets dark early. Like you lose a little bit of that, um, sleep signal cause it's dark at like supper time. So it's, you're up and you're doing things like while it's pitch black outside right. and you have so much bright light in your house. So we don't really get that sort of like dimming gradual effect that you would if you were, you know, like when you think about your, when you're out camping, like as soon as it gets dark, it's kind of, well, it's time right. to go to bed. Like, Better you light the fire and stay up until 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> depends on, depends on the, uh, Playing your banjo, the activity. <laughs> 
Yeah. What, what's your routine with? So lights? I would say I would say with lights, fairly like pretty much the same. Uh, I do tend to do a couple things with the temperature though. I typically like my bedroom to be quite cold. I know my oh, wife man, is a little yeah. bit opposite than that. Put me in a freezer. Yeah, because I'm a night sweater. <laughs> so when I when I fall asleep, I immediately go into dreaming. I've I've been known to dream as little as three minutes into into sleep and then just wake up again a couple minutes later after having a full series of things. Um, so I sweat really, really easily and heavily at night. So I find keeping my room cool uh, usually does help. Sometimes I do find it beneficial to sleep butt naked. Other times I will wear full sweats and like a thermal shirt, keep myself a little bit warmer. But I find just having that stark change of temperature at some point gives my body a really good signal yeah. that it's time to, to start going down. Yeah, I keep the room uh, much to Cassandra's uh, disappointment. I try to keep the room as cold as possible, as long as possible too. Um, I think there is some actual, like some, I know Cokes and I have talked about it a bunch. There is some, like that temperature change signal is actually beneficial for helping you put to sleep. So like ideally for me, the ideal situation would be like a, a warmish or like hot shower and then into the cold room and get in bed. And then you get under the covers, it's nice and comfortable. You're under the warm covers, but it's a kind of colder. This, I think 70 degrees Fahrenheit is sort of the sweet spot. I, I might be, be yeah. mistaken on that, mm. but there, you can, you can Google it and you can find it. There is some research to show like what the sweet spot is temperature wise, but it's pretty cool. It's definitely not a hot, Hot, you don't do, most people don't want a hot room for sleeping but uh, yeah so last last topic that I can think of what to do if you can't fall asleep what's your what's your practice for that uh, if I can't fall asleep um, if I like usually I'll know within a, like you know you're laying in bed in 10 to 15 minutes if my mind's not racing um, what I try to do some days like it, it just doesn't work and I just lay in bed and like think for, for, I don't know for some reasons like, I have zero willpower left at the end of the day yeah. and I'm like I'll just lay in bed and, and not sleep rather than like <laughs> even though I know I need to like get up and do something but the ideal thing for me is, is, is usually the journaling practice so if I'm laying in bed can't sleep I'll get out of bed and go sit down and write in the journal whatever is like keeping me up because if, if my mind's racing it's usually there's something that I need mm. to work out so I found it, it's better off in the long run for me to take that half hour, 40 minutes and write out whatever that issue is and kind of reflect on it than it is to lay in bed for two or three hours and not get to sleep. Yeah. So like either, either way, kind of at that point, I'm like, I'm not getting a full night's sleep. So I might as well cut my losses and try to get this issue resolved. And then I can get to sleep and at least get what I can out of the night. Mm. Um, and it just, it, it sort of is what it is at that point. I'd imagine like, you know, something similar like if you have like if you're getting woken up in the middle of the night if you have young kids or something like that like it's not an ideal situation for your sleep so you, you got to make the most of what you have and you have to be realistic that like maybe you're not going to get an unbroken nine hours of sleep tonight yeah. but we do what we can yeah what about you yeah i think that's really really big um everything that you just said but i would add to that not regardless of what you do i definitely wouldn't recommend getting out of bed, turn on your TV or a bunch of lights or looking at your phone. I would recommend doing whatever it is that you would do prior, just prior to going to bed. But the one thing that I would discourage most people from doing, it's going to be easier said than done, is stressing about the fact that you're not asleep. Yeah. And I, I know that's a really, really hard thing to do. If anything, I wouldn't even look at the clock. I would turn the clock away from myself and just lay in bed and say, okay, like I know at this point, I know I'm not going to get X number of hours of sleep. So I'm just going to either relax consciously as long as I can and maybe I'll fall asleep, maybe I won't, or I'll get up and I'll do something else completely like read. Sometimes I'll just sit up in bed because oftentimes my wife and I will sleep in separate rooms if I have a really, really early day just because I sleep better when I'm by myself. So I may actually sit up and, and meditate in bed and then if I start to doze off, I'll immediately lay back down. 
But I found that the days where I look at the clock and I see, oh, oh my goodness, yeah. another hour's passed. Yeah. I got three yeah, hours no to ch- get to sleep. No chance. No, yeah, I'm, I'm not falling asleep yeah. that night. And if I do, it would be like a half an hour to an hour and a half before I actually have to get up. And then in which case, I never actually felt like I went to sleep. I would wake yeah. up feeling the same way that I did when I went to sleep. You basically took a nap. Basically took yeah. a nap. Yeah. So I say, it's like I said, it's easier said than done, but don't stress about how much time you have left or how much time you think you need. Just, just find something to do until you feel tired and then lay down. 100% agree. I like that tip of turning the clock around. Mm-hmm. Um, and if like if you, like the alarm clock that I have as well, I, I just got it from Amazon. It's like a soft some kind of weird. Clock. Yeah, something like that. But I can actually turn the clock off completely. So once I set my alarm for the Same morning, um, there's, you can't see what time it is. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a, a little black empty box. So yeah. that could be a great tool or just turning your clock around or something so you don't see the time that can help you avoid that. Because if, yeah, once you get start playing that uh, that game in your head of like, well, if I fall asleep in 10 minutes, like, over. Next, like you're not falling <laughs> you're asleep. You're not sleeping that night. Yeah. Nope, nope. The, the one other thing that I just thought of as well is like journaling often helps, but um, like doing some like kind of just mindless chore around the house. So like mm. often if I like get up, if there's like, you could sweep or like do the dishes or something, something where you're sort of like cleaning up. You don't have to be mentally involved, but you're just kind of like moving through the motions of that. And it's really like kind of a boring task. Mm. That's helped a lot for me often as well. Like get out of bed and just go like sweep up all the, the endless amount of dog hair. That's Zen in the line the house. Yeah. right. And then it's, it sort of just like shuts the brain off a little bit or Definitely. I'll combine it and journal for 10 minutes, work out that issue, just clean up my office, have the desk clear for the morning or like, clean up the kitchen and then you're kind of dozing off as that's happened yeah. and just keep the lights dim. And um, so to wrap it up, let's, uh, how about let's go through, like walk everybody through your okay. ideal wind down routine and like best case scenario okay. to put you to sleep. And then I'll do mine and that can, okay. can leave them with something tangible. So ideal situation, get yourself to sleep. Like we said, hour before bed, shut off the tech, keep the lights very, very dim Find something to do that is somewhat stimulating, but not overly stimulating for your mind. Whatever that would be that doesn't involve, like we said, the use of technologies. Maybe even listening to an audiobook, but if you're not staring at your phone the whole time, you know, just turn it on when you need to. Journaling, reflecting. Um, before you go to bed, do something to get that temperature, that temperature change going, whether it's a hot shower, cold shower you know cold room warm room whatever it's going to be do something to have that fluctuation in the body temperature and then just relaxing in bed and not worrying about not worrying about trying to fall asleep i guess that's the main the main thing that i've realized for myself recently is that you can't think about falling asleep like it's one of the most natural things you do but when you let go of trying to make yourself fall asleep you'll actually fall asleep but you can't you can't will yourself to sleep yeah not that i know of that could be a good time if you feel like you're stuck there. Just draw a lot of your focus on your breath. Maybe mm-hmm. like count your breaths. Yeah. Do some deep breathing, like box breathing or triangle breathing. Where, like that's something I'll do often. Where you essentially visualize a box or a triangle in your head, and you just count the breaths in. Maybe it's four seconds in, a three or four second hold, four seconds out, Another a three or four way. second hold in the other way, and you just kind of imagine like a line tracing around a box in your head, and that can take you out of focusing on how much it sucks that you're not going to get a full night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, with that note of the um, listening to the audiobook, some something that I've done as well in the past that's helped is uh, you can get like sleep meditation podcasts. So it's essentially like a, a guided meditation where someone is talking you mm. through like the process of, of relaxing and meditating and going to sleep. Um, those have been super helpful for me as well on nights where I can't seem to get to sleep. The one caveat is then like you probably have your phone with you. Right. So you have to be pretty disciplined about not getting up and then checking your phone 
if you're falling asleep or in the middle of the night. Mm. So I've gotten out of that because I don't want to have my phone in the room, but that could be a helpful tool if you're someone who had yeah. like, training you, wheels. you know, if you already have to have your phone in the room, like if you're on call or something like that, and that could be a way that you could actually at least use the tech to your advantage. Definitely. Um, yeah. My ideal sleep routine would be an hour before bed, shut off all the screens, um, get a get a, a cup of sleepy time tea so just get it at like superstore sleepy time tea or something like chamomile something like caffeine free just like a, a hot like a, a hot cup of tea at night seems to be really helpful i'll get that going um sit down do my journaling practice while i'm drinking that and then when that journaling practice is done i'll either read a little bit or just go get a hot shower and then uh, then jump in the bed put on that dimmer like that kind of sunset mimicking alarm clock and then i'm out like a light like if i can get that done that hour, then it's like almost every time it's a good night's sleep. Usually when it's when it when it goes wrong is when I'm up late, uh, you know, on the screens or something, or working, um, or I try to go right from working to get to bed. Then it just doesn't work so well for me. Death flip. Oh, yeah. last thing that we forgot if we have time. Yeah, we got time. We got a minute. Caffeine. Mm. My personal rule of thumb is no caffeine eight hours before I want to be asleep. So usually that's like one or two o'clock in the afternoon is when I'll cut my caffeine off. I, I'm not 100% positive on this, but I, I think the half-life of caffeine is eight hours. I, I know I looked into it in the past, and I think that's why that's kind Last of Last I heard it was six, six, well, 12 hours for it to fully, fully? leave your system, okay. from, from what I remember. But somewhere, I guess... Something in that person, ballpark, yeah, six, anyway. Eight. So we're, we're, you got to think about it. If you're taking in caffeine, and then it's at least going to be in your system for, you know, for the, the rest, like the next half of your day. So I don't tolerate caffeine really really well in terms of like being able to take caffeine and get to sleep like even a regular cup of tea a couple hours before bed is going to keep me up so i try to cut my coffees off around one or one o'clock or so in the day up up until that point though it's, game uh, on baby <laughs> yeah. what you uh for me i do i do one i try and do one a day usually i'll brew it at about four when i get up and then i will have finished it with my awesome new yeti coffee mug Shout uh by about nine no yeah. free shout outs sponsor <laughs> uh, i'll try and finish that coffee maybe by like between eight and nine so I'll, i would have been sipping on it for a really long period of time and then that's it i find that if i try and have coffee more than one um it just doesn't it just doesn't taste right to me or i'll get really dehydrated and i'll start getting cramps so for me, if I just do one, just one in the morning, that's enough to keep me from getting the, you know, the withdrawals and yeah, just, this, I, this I like is coffee, where, uh, you know, it's a, this is where Daryl and I go our separate ways yeah. <laughs> up until that 12 or one o'clock mark. It's like morning shifts is probably four for me. Like, and then like, yeah, me. I'm like, hit me with it. I love it. I think the issue too is I just, I really love coffee. coffee. Yeah. Like oh, just, absolutely. yeah, I want it all the time. Me too. Uh, so yeah, that's the other thing with caffeine too. Like if you are chronically using caffeine, like myself, those four or five <laughs> cups a day, that could be masking a lot of your fatigue response. Mm-hmm. So if you're chronically undersleeping and you're relying on caffeine uh, to get you going, you're sort of masking that how fatigued you are um so that could be something where like maybe you know cutting back on the coffee a little bit could allow you to get in touch with that those fatigue levels and it might let you get to sleep easier Mm. so the first few days are going to suck a lot a hundred percent if you're cutting back on it but you might be able to get to sleep easier and then that's an easy way to sort of kickstart some extra sleep and then you know, you still have a couple coffees a day. You can, yeah. you can keep that in there. We don't. Let's not get out of hand and take those away. Shut it off. I would say shut it off by two or three p.m. I think that's a pretty safe rule. That would be for, at three p.m. at the absolute latest. Yeah, yeah. And you should Sweet. do it. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts? Nope. I've got it all out. Okay. Hopefully, this was helpful. 
Um, if you do have any questions on anything we went over, feel free to shoot us an email at our blended emails or uh, send us a message on Instagram or something. We'll be happy to chat more about this or when we can get the doors back open, chat about it in person with you. Definitely. Thanks for listening. Have See a great folks. day. Thanks for listening to this blended audio experience. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave it a five-star review, share it with your friends, and subscribe.